Hello there. This is Benny, and this is Kyle, and you're listening to the Doctor's Watcher, the podcast where I watch Doctor Who, and then I watch it again and take some notes about it, and then I tell Benny all about it, and then he edits our conversation, and then I insert some audio clips into our conversation, <laughs> and then you all listen to it. The that's that's what we've meant all along when we said <laughs> the podcast where Kyle watches Doctor Who and then tells you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> So how are you doing today, Benny? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, we, uh, we we played some Star Trek RPG yesterday, uh, Star Trek Adventures, um, with Kyle as the game master, and I'm one of the players, the gruff but lovable Tellarite Doctor, Dr. Blarg. <laughs> we um, did, indeed. Yeah, that was a fun game. I'm realizing that I am I'm having to sort of learn about stretching my improv skills because uh, adventure guides, generally speaking, are quite fond of putting in lots of little details for flavor. And then players are very fond of finding, uh, no, 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 finding just (laughs) the flavor details and investigating them thoroughly. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I figure a space station or a mining outpost probably has living quarters, even if they're not mentioned in the adventure guide. (laughs) Well, ours ours were indeed investigated. I guess I guess it comes from you know playing a lot of Fallout or Bioshock or whatever, um, and always wanting to find the logs to find out what happened. Yeah, for sure. Because presumably, anytime there's any type of disaster, you know the uh, the crew of whatever ship or station um, are very helpfully taking logs throughout, <laughs> throughout <laughs> the course of whatever those events are. That they then leave, not on a single central location, like on their terminal or anything, but scattered around <laughs> for uh-huh. you to find. It's um, interesting, though, how you, you tend to find them in chronological order of them being written. It like, depends. It depends on the yeah, game. Yeah, that's I true. Think. It sometimes, depends on the game. <laughs> sometimes you don't. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good time. And speaking of good times, um, I think our, uh, our friends on the TARDIS, um, uh, or our friends of the TARDIS crew are having maybe not the best time, but an interesting <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely true. Shall we uh, get into it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, while I still remember the cliff dangler, which is <laughs> a very, very kind of classic cliff dangly, cliff, cliff dangly, cliff dangler, um, where Ian and the Doctor are just straight up in a trap with like spikes closing in. Um, I think Kyle, I think you described it as the side-scrolling platformer part of the serial or part of the right. episode. And, yep, uh, true to form, they now have spikes closing in. <laughs> One interesting thing, though, is that most in most side-scrollers, you tend to play, like, running from the left to right. 
but that's true. That's true. the doctor and Ian are actually moving from the right to left on screen. That's, that's, yeah, it's weird. It's like something you don't really think about. Um, cause I, I feel like that expectation uh, exists in TV shows as well as in video games. Um, and, and maybe it's cause we read from left to right or something, who knows, but, and you see it reversed, uh, maybe back then when TV was still a relatively new thing, that was less of an expectation, or maybe I'm just not making any sense at all. <laughs> I don't know. But, but uh, no, uh, to me, to me, at least that's an interesting, uh, observation. Mm-hmm. And you know, like when you play the occasional side scrolling platformer level that does go right to left, it totally throws you off. It's like, you know, it's, it's strange and different. Yeah, yeah. Even just thinking of like holding the the left part of the D pad to to run left, that feels <laughs> feels wrong somehow. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that. That's just for backing up or like you know or resetting yourself or or, or backtracking. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm for some reason I'm just picturing Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog running left, and it's just like ugh. <laughs> yeah, it it just it seems wrong. Yeah. I suppose we should mention that the, this episode is Desperate Measures, which is the 11th episode of season two. Oh man, that's a good one. And as Ian and the doctor are on their, their right to left side scrolling platformer and Ian gets trapped between these blades coming out of the wall, he, he manages to basically just kind of like straddle the blades and not get injured or he kind of like stands between them. And so they fully extend. He doesn't get pushed off the edge of the cliff, but you know, he is kind of still trapped there. So how much does he have to like contort to get around these? Are we talking like Japanese game show levels of, of <laughs> dodge them or like Looney Tunes levels or, or does he just kind of like stand sideways? <laughs> um, to dodge them or like to not get pushed off the cliff, he just kind of has to stand sideways. He is going <laughs> to have to do like for yeah. species. <laughs> I think he, he is going to have to get to Japanese game show level, like to actually get out of the blade trap though. Uh, okay. So, so I was saying spikes, but you're saying blades. So I think I may have said spikes in the previous episode, but I I don't remember. Yeah. Listeners don't go back and listen. Just, just (laughs) we're we're, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. If we look back, we're lost. (laughs) They're, they're basically like sword blades though. Oh, cool. Yeah. Those are kind of like spikes. Yeah, okay. yeah. In a, in, a, in a way, he does like fully put his hand on one of them. Doctor, that razor sharp. <laughs> I I had to grab it to find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Somehow, though, even though the razor sharp, he didn't cut himself. Well, yeah. but yeah, at the doctor's <laughs> suggestion, he puts his coat over the blades to like protect himself, and then he takes the doctor's hand and kind of like swings around the blades back to the ledge where the doctor is. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's good thinking. Um, mm-hmm. might, might depend on what material your coat is made out of and how much you like it. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like a good idea. Yeah. And then once they're back around, they just start working to get the ring back into the wall, the ring that like Ian pulled out that tr- triggered it. They just try to get the ring put back into the wall hoping that if it's back in place, it'll cause the blades to retract. 
you know, they still can't like, well, progress the forward. Module doesn't say that the the putting their ring back retracts the blades, but well, there's no other way for you to get this <laughs> module. So I guess uh, th- I guess that makes sense. <laughs> that was that was Kyle's GM voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> back in the broken spaceship, Barbara and Vicky are tending to Bennett who has collapsed after the strain of like walking down the hall to this part of the ship. Remember he can like barely hold himself up. Yeah. Yeah. He tells Barbara that Coquillian killed her crewmates, but she's like, I don't think so. I'm sure that all right. Hell yeah, Barbara. (laughs) He tells her that kind of flex though. If someone's like, Oh yeah, this, this alien monster killed your crewmates and you're like, Nah, nah, I doubt my, it. My crewmates are awesome. They're badass. <laughs> uh huh. At least one of them is a person of action. <laughs> the other one's too cranky to die. <laughs> he tells her that Coquillian doesn't make mistakes. She's like, What he did about me? It's true. That's yeah. a very good point. <laughs> she starts trying to come up with a plan to trick and overpower Coquillian. But Bennett's like, no, 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 we just have to chill and do whatever he says for, like, a few more days. Oh. We a rescue ship is due to arrive. Well, hasn't Vicky told you that? Maybe we'll have a chance of escaping, get back to Earth. Did you say Mir, like the space station? Or mirror, like uh, like the reflective thing on your wall? The the transcript I found said Mir. I'm not, like the space station. I'm not sure, like, where that oh. name comes from in the, in the script. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I, I believe that means peace in Russian. Yeah, I think that's cool. It's like this idea, right. of like you know, down here on on Earth, we have our problems, but up in space, you know, we can look to a brighter future and a better world. I always, I always thought that was cool. Yeah, totally. But yeah, he basically says that since this rescue ship is just a few days out, if we get rid of Coquillian, it will gain nothing. But if the plan fails, Kukulian would kill everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's just chill out and not try to get rid of Kukulian. <laughs> yeah. Vic, no. yeah. That, that seems fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of hard when you're a person of action, like we know Barbara is. That's uh, true. To just chill. And, and when you, <laughs> you've got a scary monster right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Vicky's convinced. Barbara's going to go along with it for now. But as they help Bennett back down the corridor to his room, and like they get him to the door to his room, he refuses any further help. Bennett just doesn't want them to see the uh, anime body pillow on his bed. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, totally. So yeah, he. They get him down to his room, or to his door. He refuses further help and shuts the door behind him. And Barbara gives some serious side-eye toward his room as she and Vicky head back down to the other room and start preparing some food. Yeah. Ian and the doctor do manage to get the ring back into the wall. And the DM's like, yeah, fine, the blades retract, you can go ahead. Daylight, Doctor! We must be nearly there. Yes, I think you're right. 
so they proceed toward the daylight and on the way there, the DM mentions an interesting feature that you commonly see in side scrolling caves, which is a door in the background wall. Mm, it's a slightly different color than the, the wall behind it uh-huh. or around it. They briefly consider standing in front of it and pressing up on their controllers to go in. Now that must be somewhere. But they decide not to even try. Yes, but there'll be no time to get a to open that. No, come on, let's go the obvious way. For the first time, I think, in all of Doctor Who, I think we can now <laughs> conclusively say this is neither an RPG or neither a TTRPG nor a video game. <laughs> no gamer of either stripe would ever pass up a random door on uh-huh. the way out of the stage. <laughs> yeah, especially when the DM like specifically calls it out. He's like, hey, guys, there's a door here. Do you want to open it? And they're like... No, nah, we'll just keep going. You could you could just look inside. You don't have to lock <laughs> it. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's just the... chock full of anime body pillows. <laughs> they're, they're all Kukulian in like short skirts. <laughs> <laughs> the DM Oh Bennett Bennett Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> oh you you got me. Oh I was just like taking a nap. Oh I'm blushing. <laughs> so the dm rolls their eyes and is just like fine (laughs) whatever i guess you continue down the caves the dm's like turning pages in the module (laughs) (laughs) the doctor says just so long as nobody starts creeping up behind us (laughs) (laughs) so like he he even knows like what's gonna happen if they don't go in the door and he chooses not to go in the door anyway I feel like some, maybe we've actually come back around full circle and now the, the players are fully knowing what they're doing are just doing <laughs> to uh, you know, mess with their DM. Yeah, they're like, man, we've we've been on a railroad for far too long. I'm not going <laughs> to open your fucking door. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vicky has gone to collect water and she's returning back to the spaceship. She's carrying these two big metal cans full of water. They looked like the type of metal cans that you might put gasoline in if you were in the 1960s. And as she arrives back at the ship with these water cans, Barbara sees her coming through the window, and Barbara also sees one of the reptile slug-like creatures that the Doctor and Ian saw in the caves, like down at the bottom of the cliff. And the ones that look like Coquillian, but are moving like on four legs? Yeah. Yeah, we actually got, a, I think, a better look at it in this episode. And it's a bit less like Coquillian than I thought, but it's still like a, a pretty cool-looking creature. Reptile slug. Reptile slug creature sounds pretty rad. Yeah. So Barbara sees this reptile slug creature approaching Vicky, and she's concerned, obviously. So she gets the flare gun out of the drawer and heads outside, calling to Vicky. Nice. Vicky shouts at her to stop, but 
Barbara raises the flare gun and oh shit because they need that to signal the uh, the rescue ship oh yeah yeah but yeah she uses the flare gun to shoot the reptile slug oh and it lets not sure. out not sure that was the best idea yeah it lets out this like you know this horrible cry sounding kind of like somebody yelling through a kazoo <laughs> <laughs> Ian and the doctor hear this and they've they've reached the exit of the cave so they come rushing back but Vicky comes rushing inside the spaceship with Barbara and she's really upset You killed Sandy why what made you Oh oh dude it had a name that was yep. uh, that's not a good sign <laughs> Yeah you know Barbara of course thought that it was going to attack Vicky but it was apparently actually sort of her pet. I'm the only ever at plants. I trained him to come here for food. Oh, dang. Now I feel kind of bad. Yeah, I'm it was... I was going to make anyway, which is that Barbara's <laughs> like, hey, but I got 20 XP. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Barbara... You can still loot the body. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you have the, the loot. <laughs> Barbara says that she didn't know that, you know. And Vicky's like, I shouted you, you wouldn't listen. That's a good which, point, actually. Yeah, to be fair, she fair. did shout, and Barbara didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And Vicky breaks down in tears. Ian and the doctor arrive about this time, and as they arrive, we cut back to the caves where we see Coquillian exit through the door in the caves that Ian and the doctor ignored. Coquillian looks down and sees some footprints in the cave dirt and starts following them. Cool. No, I I feel bad for Sandy. That sucks. Yeah. It was, it was a kind of a rough scene to watch actually. Yeah. Non-threatening creatures is killed um, over a misunderstanding. That's, that's a bummer. Yeah, for sure. So back in the spaceship, they've calmed Vicky down a bit, and the doctor gives her a handkerchief to blow her nose and stuff. Ian tells her to cheer up, and he kind of waves around this sci-fi gun that he somehow has as he says, And don't forget, if old cocky licking comes around, I've always got this. Huh, and he just randomly has that? Yeah, I wasn't sure where that came from. Huh, okay. Yeah, it was, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The the player just saw it in his inventory and didn't say anything. (laughs) Vicky starts telling him, you know, not to mess with Coquillian. He'll ruin everything. They just need to wait for the rescue ship. Mm -hmm. But Barbara's like, Look, Vicky. I know you've been here a long time, but you're underestimating what Coquillian can do. Vicky says, Yes, you're right. I've been here a long time. I know what it's like here. You've only just come and you're trying to ruin things. It was all right before it was. The rescue ship's coming and... Nobody asked you to come here. Nobody. She kind of has a point. Yeah, she she just tells him to fuck off, basically. And (laughs) (laughs) the doctor kind of looks over at Barbara and Ian and 
makes like a fuck off finger gesture to the two of them. So Hmm. the two of them fuck off and the doctor continues talking to Vicky. Kyle made a kind of a gentle go away motion with his hand. He wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that rude of a gesture. In case you guys were trying to picture like what, what gesture exactly the doctor made in this 1960s BBC TV show. That's, that's fair. I will say that it was, it did not have to be pixelated. The doctor goes into patronization mode, as he does. <laughs> you mean he wasn't already there? <laughs> I, I He's think, like... I, I think that the, the handle, the knob broke off of changing that <laughs> mode a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He's like, you know, you don't really mean that. And, you know, saying shit like that. She basically ends up, like, going along with his patronization you know, shaking your head to agree with him and whatever. He says, Now, I've listened to all you've said and I've thoroughly understood. We are here to help you. This is all we're going to try to do. You know, we're not going to ruin things for you. Well, they're not going to try to ruin things. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure you can guess quite promise that fully, but... Yeah. She tells him that Bennett says that they need to tell Earth what this planet did to them when they get back. And Mm -hmm. he basically thinks that the entire planet Dido needs to be genocided. Oh, shit. Yeah. He thinks this planet should be wiped out. Yes. He says Coquillian shouldn't be made to get away with what he's done to us. I, I feel like there's probably a better way to, to punish the one single lizard guy that y'all are mad at um, uh-huh. than genociding the entire planet. And plus, it's like, okay, even if the other um, monsters killed the rest of the, the crew, um, which, you know, presumably they did, like, we don't know why or, or if they thought that they were being invaded or something. Yeah, totally. Um, but I guess, I mean... I'm trying to remember the exact details. Like they were invited to a dinner, I think. By the yeah, characters. but even then, it's not, it seems almost uh, almost understandable. Yeah, totally. The doctor is like, I think I agree with Bennett, at least about uh, Coquillian. Let's punish Coquillian, but maybe not genocide the whole planet. Yeah. Okay. Doctor asks Vicky if she thinks that he might have better ideas than Bennett, basically. And she kind of smiles and nods. She's on the doctor's side now. Cool. Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at doctorwatcher. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. The doctor wants to talk to Bennett, so Vicky takes him down the corridor to the corridor door to Bennett's room. (laughs) And... He tells her to head back and hang out with Ian and Barbara. And she's like, Barbara, with like this hard look in her eye. Oh, 
that Barbara. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame her for being upset with Barbara at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. She killed her dog, basically. Yeah. The doctor's like, you know, chill out. Barbara's actually pretty cool once you get to know her. But Vicky is is still pissed, basically, and rightly so. Doctor kind of tries explaining to her that Barbara was frightened for Vicky's safety and was trying to protect her and stuff. And Vicky should give her a chance. And Vicky kind of reluctantly agrees and heads back to the other room. And the doctor knocks on Bennett's corridor door, saying that he wants to speak to speak with him. But Bennett's voice says, You can't come in. Doctor tries opening the door anyway. Oh, buddy, you're not going <laughs> to want to do that right now. Give uh-huh. him five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't open. He can't open it. So he finds a big girder in the corridor and starts bashing the door open with it. Wow. He, uh, he really wants to have a conversation right now. <laughs> I, that, that seems like that escalated kind of quickly. Like, he, he just wants to talk until he's going to bash the door down. Yeah. And, like, Bennett says you can't come in, so he could say, like, why not? Or, you know, yeah. I can wait a minute. Five minutes. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you time to hide your, your anime body pillow. <laughs> Back in the other room... Barbara and Ian come back inside. Vicky and Barbara each apologize to each other. And everything... Yeah, everything seems like it's going to be cool. They make... I don't remember if it was Barbara or Ian, but one of them makes some comment that causes Vicky to ask them about their backstory. I don't understand. You're from Earth too, aren't you? Before they reveal too much about their backstory, they ask her when she left Earth, and she's like... 2493, of course. My mother had just died, and Daddy wanted to get away, so he took a job on the planet Astra. Apparently, the ship crashed here on Dido on the way to Astra. Cool. I I like the name, the planet Astra. That sounds very cool. Yeah, I thought so, too. She asks them when they left Earth, and Ian's like... Well, you see, Vicky, our spaceship, uh, well, it isn't like this one. It, it travels through time. Barbara jumps in. We left in 1963. And Vicky is shocked. 1963? But that means you're about 550 years old. Ian starts laughing because, you know, how old Barbara is. Vicky isn't sure she believes them because they didn't have time machines in 1963. That's that's not how time travel works, though. <laughs> uh-huh. Ian tells her that it's the Doctor's time machine, and he's okay, from a yeah. whole different time and planet. She's like, I don't believe you at all. You're joking with me. <laughs> the Doctor, a time traveler? Yes. <laughs> what a strange and unusual premise for a TV show. <laughs> We've been going at it for a season and a half now. 
There'll come a time when, you know, anytime anyone mentions the, the strangeness of time or how time seems to travel at, at either an unusually fast or slow pace, everyone will put TARDIS emojis on it in, in this thing called <laughs> Slack. <laughs> so we cut back down the hall where the doctor has managed to bash through the corridor door or he, he like he bashes it open it's a metal door so he doesn't bash through it took him five minutes and bennett would have been done in five minutes anyway <laughs> but when he gets in he finds bennett's room empty he asks to roll an investigation check the dm's like you don't need to roll it's just going to take you a little bit of time to do a thorough search but like you're not in any danger so you can just take the time to search if you want. You gotta look for secret doors, though. Yeah. In this situation, every time. First, the doctor finds a cupboard in the wall, and this cupboard is filled with tape recorders and other audio equipment. Apparently, they're still using, or they've gone back to analog. They're no longer using <laughs> like the fancy digital recording equipment that we use. I I, I always love this, you know future retro future <laughs> technology uh-huh i kind of figured like star wars when they're like you know where are those tapes that you uh-huh. intercepted it's like tapes come on <laughs> i figure it's just sort of like a, a trend or a fashion you know they've yeah maybe it's like you know when you when you're down to micro sd cards which hold like you know hundreds of gigabytes of data or, or more and they're so tiny, you're always losing them or dropping them right. or something. Eventually someone's like, forget this, we're just going back to tape. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor gets one of these tapes and plays it back. And it's the you can't come in. voice that he heard earlier. Oh, interesting. He starts messing with like the volume dial on some other audio equipment and discovers that it's an intercom from the other room so Bennett can monitor, like, everything that's said. Yeah, because you keep saying, like, and Bennett's voice says blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I noticed you were using that, that specific phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor continues searching the room and he finds a lever on the wall, and when he pulls it, it opens a trap door in the floor. Okay, so now you want to look through the door? <laughs> Earlier the, I guess that if there had been a lever in the cave, maybe then uh-huh. he would have pulled it, but just an ordinary door with like a handle or something? I don't know, I, I assume there was a handle. Maybe if the door had been like more hidden in the cave wall... <laughs> but it was just like a door. We cut back to the other room where Ian decides that the doctor's been talking to Bennett for a while and he wants to go check on him. N- nobody heard him like bashing on the door with a girl. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. <laughs> Vicky's like, I don't think we should disturb them. And Ian's just like, they can always tell me to go away. (laughs) Unlike some people, (laughs) I actually will. I'll respect that. So he heads to the other room and he knocks on 
Bennett's corridor door a few times, which is closed again. He gets no answer, so he opens the corridor door, and he finds that the room is now empty, and the trap door that we know is in the floor is closed again. It's interesting that the doctor like bashed open the door with, with a girder and then bothered closing it again behind him. <laughs> uh-huh. And it also seems like he, he even though he bashed it open, it was still in a good enough shape that you could just close it. it. Still able to be closed, yeah. We cut to the doctor, who is making his way through underground passages, and he gets into... A room. He goes through this door into a room with big pillars with incense burning on top of the pillars. And he walks down like an aisle basically between these pillars and approaches these fancy chairs and like a fancy table that looks like it could be an altar or something like that. Oh, buddy, this is how you end up chained to a pentagram. there's also like a big chest against the wall uh i want to say like a chest as in a storage container not like a torso and (laughs) so he opens it up and inside he finds like some big flowy robes okay it's interesting this is not what i expected um then there's also that part of me that was like um, is it going to be like a Bennett costume or slash a Coquillian costume, depending on like what's, what's going on here? <laughs> we cut back to the ship where Barbara and Vicky and Ian are all discussing what they should do since the doctor seems to have disappeared. They don't know like where he would have gone They don't think that Coquillian has, like, returned and captured the Doctor or anything, or they would have heard him. Vicky thinks that they should just stay put where they are and wait for the Doctor to return, but Ian disagrees. No. Go back to the TARDIS. In the end, the Doctor will make for that. Come on, quickly. So Vicky Vicky and Barbara follow him out. We cut back to the room that the doctor is in, and the door opens behind him, the door he entered through, and as the door opens, he says, Come in! Come in, won't you? I've been waiting to talk to you. And Coquillian enters the room. Hmm. It's, it's interesting that the doctor, who's like never been here before in his life, is still like, feels at home enough to be welcoming someone else mm-hmm. in. Well, he has their own incredibly creepy chamber. He has been to the planet before. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. So he continues. This used to be the people's hall of judgment. Fitting in the present circumstances, don't you think? Hmm? Mr. Bennett, may I remind you that masks and robes such as you are wearing are only used on absolutely ceremonial occasions. Hmm? He's gotten two hmms already. Yep. Coquillian removes the mask that it's wearing and reveals that it is indeed Bennett. 
Uh, okay, well, I I was really wondering if it was going to be that Bennett is wearing a Kukulian costume or Kukulian was wearing <laughs> a Bennett costume earlier. Uh, also, it's it's interesting in you know one of these old cheesy sci-fi shows where it's like, oh, how did we not notice that this sci-fi monster was just a person in a costume? Like, <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, they all look like people in costumes. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of fun to like lampshade the fact that they all look like people in costumes and they're like, no, 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 this one actually is just a person in a costume. <laughs> um, but, but it sounded earlier like the doctor was saying that the people of this planet really were, you know, these weird lizard people with like claws and whatnot. He kind of implied it, but I, I think what was actually happening was he was just recognizing Ian's description of the ceremonial robes and ceremonial mask. Oh. <laughs> he didn't bother to mention like, oh, you must have seen one of them wearing a mask. But, yeah, I think that's what was actually happening there. Okay. So the doctor asks Bennett what the fuck he's doing and why the fuck he's doing it. Valid questions. <laughs> Bennett says... Dances. Yeah. Bennett says... To save my life, I killed a crew member on a spaceship to Astra. I was arrested. The ship crashed. My crime hadn't been radioed to Earth. I knew if I could get rid of the other crewmen. He explains to the doctor how he used the ship's armaments to arrange for a massive explosion at the welcome dinner that the people of Dido threw for the ship when it crashed. And in one go, he killed the crew of the ship and the entire population of the planet, which is, you know, oh, shit. 150 people or something. Damn. You destroyed a whole planet to save your own skin. You're insane. Yeah, buddy. Um, maybe maybe let's, let's go back to uh, within screaming distance of our friends before we get <laughs> <these> accusations. <laughs> yeah. Bennett goes on to explain that Vicky didn't know that he had been arrested on the ship. So he figured that she'd back his story when they got back to Earth. I dressed up as Kaquillion to show her how terrible the people here were. He basically says that now there's just three more people for Coquillion to kill, and he starts fighting the doctor. Okay. <laughs> I think the doctor may not have entirely thought this one through. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're kind of grappling. They are struggling over the fancy spanner from the first episode. The fancy spanner goes off, which causes a nearby explosion. And they both drop the fancy spanner, which, like, breaks on the ground. Bennett starts strangling the doctor. He's clearly overpowering the doctor. Mm. And then two more people appear on the scene. They are both dressed in white shirt and white pants and white boots. And, but then they have these like darker sort of like conical drapery type things around their shoulders. Mm. And 
They both and start. And you said they were dressed all in white, and then you, they were wearing something conical. I was like, "Oh, this is this is not going to. This is not going to be a good time." <laughs> they start walking toward Bennett, who shouts, "No! I killed all of you!" And he starts backing away from them as they just continue walking towards him. He backs his way through a door. And then he screams as he apparently like backs off of a cliff ledge and plummets to his presumed death. Whoa. And then, then these two figures are like, you did kill us. <laughs> now we have returned. Our business here is over. Nice. <laughs> the doctor is lying on the ground. You know, he had been being strangled. He lies on the ground. He looks at these two people and the camera shows us his point of view, which goes blurry and fades to black as he passes out. Yeah, that's fair. He's, uh, he's not, in, he's not as young as he used to be and he was just strangled within an inch of his life. So yeah, I would pass out too. <laughs> A moment later, the camera fades up from black and unblurs, and we are back in the TARDIS control room. Yes, I took the liberty of borrowing your key, says Ian. The doctor is still in a little bit of a daze. He tells Ian and Barbara that two strangers left him outside, like outside the TARDIS, and he tells them that Bennett was Coquillian. Ian starts asking all sorts of questions about this, but Barbara sees how the doctor's kind of like holding his head, and she's like, Why no, 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 not now, Ian. Uh, He's in no condition to answer questions. They tell the doctor that Vicky's outside, and he heads out to get some fresh air, and he wants to talk to Vicky. After he leaves the TARDIS, Barbara looks at Ian. Ian, what about Vicky? I wish we could take her with us. Hmm? Well, we can't leave her here, can we? Well, we do have room. Uh, no <laughs> yeah. One's in, no one's in Susan's room, and someone's got to wear all those shoes. Uh, what's, her, what's her shoe size? Let's see. Uh -huh. uh, we can just add her to our party. Does she happen to have one shoe and miss is missing the other because we've got one spare along with all the pairs. It's true. Outside the TARDIS in the cave, the doctor has just finished telling Vicky all about what happened. And she realizes the implication that Bennett killed her father. Mm -hmm. And like, because of this, she has no one and nothing left for her on Dido. So the doctor invites her to come with him. We can travel anywhere and everywhere in that old box, as you call it, regardless of space and time. And if you like adventure, my dear, I can promise you an abundance of it. Apart from all that, well, you'll, you'll be amongst friends. Hmm? Well... But he doesn't actually give her a chance to answer. 
before she can get like a single word out, he says that he'll leave her to think about it and steps into the TARDIS. Huh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty wonderful invitation to adventure, though, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, it was. Who among us wouldn't like to, uh, to take the doctor up on that offer? Seriously. So inside the TARDIS, Ian and Barbara both start talking to him about Vicky, and he interrupts them and basically says that it sounds like the three of them have all come to the same conclusion. Ian and Barbara are basically like filling out the adoption. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So the doctor gets on the TARDIS's loudspeaker and invites Vicky to, to enter the ship. The TARDIS doors open and she walks through and she looks around for a moment in the TARDIS control room and then The outside is just... Well... Barbara asks if she's going to come along. And she says... I'd like to. Yes. If you'll have me. (laughs) (coughs) Yay. And, yeah, everyone smiles as the doctor closes the TARDIS doors. And five minutes later, the rescue ship lands, and they're like, oh, we're here. Anyone? Anyone? Oh, well. <laughs> Came all this way. Uh-huh. Well, we actually cut back to the living quarters on the spaceship, and there's a voice on the radio. Rescue ship to Dido. Rescue ship to Dido. Come in, please. This is rescue ship calling Dido. Rescue ship calling Dido. Come in, please. The voice continues calling, and the two strangers from earlier, the ones who saved the doctor, enter the ship. They immediately go up to the radio and they like pull it out of the wall and disconnect it and like smash it, and the voice stops. Huh. I thought maybe this would be a short serial, but it sounds like there may be more going on. <laughs> so back on the TARDIS. Ian is talking to the doctor in the control room. They, they've left by now. Uh, we didn't actually see them leave, but they've left. They're flying through space and time. And so Ian's talking to the doctor. The doctor explains that these two strangers were inhabitants of Dido that apparently didn't get killed. So, yeah. Presumably they skipped the dinner for some reason. Maybe uh. they weren't they weren't feeling very welcoming. But, you know, the doctor says that they've got their planet back now and he doesn't think they'll let the rescue ship land. Which I thought was kind of dumb of the people of Dido given that like everybody else on the planet is dead and it's just like the two of them now. Yeah, but, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I guess they've got their own planet. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's like... Well, isn't why you brought Vicky along with us, is it, Doctor? And the Doctor says... No, Chesterton, no, it wasn't the reason. We shall be materializing quite soon. Perhaps we shall be able to get a rest this time. <laughs> and then we cut to an outdoor scene. There's like plant life and birds chirping and 
the TARDIS materializes with most of it hanging over the edge of a cliff. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh-huh. It starts kind of tilting a little bit, and inside the control room, Ian's like, What's that movement, Doctor? Hmm? Barbara comes rushing into the room, asking what's happening, and the camera starts to tilt, and everybody starts running over to one side of the control room, and we cut back outside, and the TARDIS falls off the cliff. And with this, the words, next episode, the slave traders appear on screen. That doesn't sound like a good time. Um, I guess this is the first time the TARDIS itself has had a cliff dangler. <laughs> yeah, I think it is probably. And it didn't really dangle much. It's kind of a cliff faller. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so it sounds like this is the end of the serial. Yeah, uh, this was a short two episode serial. Uh, I should mention that here at the end, I should now reveal the name, the common name of the serial itself, which is actually different than the name of either episode. This serial is generally referred to as The Rescue. Mm. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. They rescue Vicky. Yeah, yeah. And, and they get rescued. Um as the doctor gets rescued. But yeah, no, I'm sure that it's, it's Vicky's rescue that the title is referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. It's interesting, oh, too, because, yeah. yeah, she thinks that she's going to get rescued by this ship that's 69 hours away, but nice. gets rescued by the doctor instead. Which is also nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, it kind of feels like it was a quick little serial that they threw together just to replace Susan with a, a similar young woman character. But it, it also sounds like Vicky is going to be maybe a little more um, self-sufficient. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the, you know, the different ways that she's both similar to and very different from Susan. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, well, it was a, a short serial. Um, the rescue and Kyle, would you recommend it? So I would say that the Coquillian costume is pretty great, Yes. but you know, you can look that up online without watching the serial if you, if you want to, <laughs> and it wasn't everything. you <laughs> It wasn't a bad serial. Like it definitely had a lot of fun moments. It is our introduction to Vicky, which definitely is, you know, definitely recommends it. Uh, I, you know, I like Vicky so far, so it's good to see her introduction. It's only two episodes long, so mm-hmm. it's not going to take like a huge amount of time to watch it. And it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess ultimately I, I would recommend it, but 
I'll also say that like if you don't end up watching it, that's probably okay too. Yeah, we'll, we'll forgive you. This time. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because yeah, I was thinking about things like you know we we mentioned that uh, on on this type of show, all the monsters are just people in costumes, so you really can't look at a monster and tell as the audience whether it's a person whether it's meant to be in universe a person in a costume but then the other thing i remember thinking about was the the mention of all the other lizard people who live on the planet um all, you know and the, the there was this uh, plot thread earlier about how kerquillian i guess is kind of keeping them safe from the the bloodthirsty um other members of of its species right um and, and I remember thinking, like, okay, well, is that a lie? Like, is Kukulian or, you know, Bennett, I guess, but at the time, is Kukulian just saying that the other members of its species are, are, are bloodthirsty and it's keeping the, the um, humans safe from them? Or, because we never see them, like, how do we know that there even are other members of the species? Or, you know, is that just a, a cost-saving measure of not having to make a bunch of costumes <laughs> and, and have a bunch of, of extras running around in, in Kequillian costumes to be mm -hmm. those other creatures? And Turns yeah, out... We never know. Porque no los dos. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, cool. Um, yeah, was there... Did you have any other notes you wanted to share about this serial? Um, no, I think that was, that pretty much wraps it up for, for the rescue. All right. Cool beans. Well, uh, let's, let's move on to, did you say the slave traders? Yeah. Oh, that does not sound like a good time on this. It, it does <laughs> not show. indeed. All right. Well, um, we'll see. We'll see what that turns into. Um, Cool. I'll well, see y'all next time, listeners. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. They didn't have time machines in 1963. They didn't know anything then. Oh, we weren't entirely ignorant, young lady. Even the doctor thought it was worth paying us a visit. That's how we got mixed up with him in the first place. The doctor's from a different age, a different planet altogether. I don't believe you at all. You're joking with me. <laughs> the doctor, a time traveler? Yes. yes. <laughs>